0: Tim did you uh did you break a string on your guitar? Nice yeah PowerPoint came back on and his his string broke only only the Lord knows what this sermon is destined for. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, um so it's almost you can almost see it. <laughs> um, the, uh, that's awesome. Well, now we know what it's destined for. Uh, I was gonna read all this to you again. Maybe I still will. Yeah, you can see all the words up there. It' was a little tilted, but that's okay. Um since when Jeremiah read it, you couldn't see it, and I know some of you um, probably didn't look it up. have time to look it up. i want I want you to be able to um, really sink yourself into this passage so. Let the believer who is lowly boast in being raised up and the rich believer and the rich in being brought low because the rich will disappear like a flower in the field for the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the field its flower falls and its beauty perishes it is the same way with the rich in the midst of a busy life they will they will wither away blessed is anyone who endures temptation Such a one has stood the test and will will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. No one, when tempted, should say, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But one is tempted by one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it. Then, when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and that sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to sin to death do not be deceived my beloved every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change in fulfillment of his own purpose he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures um Oh, it's perfect now. <clears throat> um, the uh, I, I explained last week that part of the reason I wanted to do the Book of James um, is this idea that we live in a rather confusing world. <laughs> um, it's just like you don't know what to believe about all sorts of different things about what's true, what's not. you know, one person says um, that the the sky is blue and the other one's gonna tell you it's something else, and I don't know. It's just a bizarre. Strange, unprecedented, like we've got so much information, we don't know what to do with it now. Um, whereas, you know, in in history, often the problem was you weren't given enough information, right? You were just given the information that people wanted you to have. Now we have the opposite information that, uh, or not opposite problem, we have too much of it and we don't know what to do with it. And so uh, it's easy as a Christian, I think, to go out in the world and just be confused, the confusion enters into us um, because we get false messages, because we get confusing messages. I was thinking about a uh, a commercial that I saw a few years ago that um, was from a uh, an internet security program, and it was this this uh, cartoon. It was the the commercial was this cartoon of this guy who was like walking around with his cell phone, and there was this other like cartoon cloud of all of his stuff that was like on his phone or his tablet or whatever. And, uh, and there were all sorts of people who were trying to, like, steal and get access to that stuff. You know, he's on the subway or whatever, and, and somebody's trying to get access to um, his passwords while he's on the subway using his – and he's going through life, and it's like this. And the, and the last line of the commercial is basically, purchase our software because let's face it, you are your stuff. <laughs> you are your stuff. No, you're not, <laughs> right? Like, you're not your stuff. But, um, but that's the message, right? That's the mar- Like we're constantly overwhelmed by marketing. Um, I, you know, I complain all the time about Christian marketing and I know you're probably tired of me hearing, tired of hearing me say it, but like just that, the, the, the church, there's this marketing message of it's gotta be bigger. It's gotta be brighter. It's gotta be polished and wonderful. And so, so what we've had so far today is just not church compared to- you know, like with not polished. So, um, but these people that James is writing to, it seems to me that they've been confused um, about some things. And this this, this passage that we've read, um, it may it, in your Bible it probably has a section a heading for for the section about um, the rich people and the poor people, and then it's got another section and a heading for the the trials and temptation stuff. But in my mind, those two actually go along together. Because they're both about being confused about things. Um, they're about being confused about the truth. About being confused about the truth. This made me think. Uh, it's made me think a lot about confusion this week. Um, I read this morning that in Indianapolis, so in Indiana, on a on a road that I've traveled many times, Interstate 70, that there was a. Um, uh, a semi truck going down Interstate 70 that was carrying 38,000 pounds of marbles yesterday. 38,000 pounds of marbles, and they all spilled. Right? It's going down I-70. Can you imagine confusion? Right? You're behind. I don't think anybody died, or else I wouldn't make fun of it. But like 38,000 pounds of marbles, and they're all bouncing along Interstate. So like that. Sometimes that's the way I feel when I'm going through my Facebook feed, right? Or, like, looking at the internet. It's like this barrage of of marbles confusing my path. Um, so there's that kind of confusion. And I was thinking about, like, that's, like, external confusion, right? And it's accidental confusion. Like, the semi-trucker, he had no intention, right, of doing that. Or at least we think not. Um, it would be the... Most bizarre attack um, that we've ever seen, but but probably not unintentional, right? And then there's like there's like intrinsic confusion that comes from within us um, that that also might not be intentional too. So um, I'm thinking about yeah, I've talked about me being colorblind before many times, and uh, so I loved art class right in college or in high school. I loved drawing, and uh, I got to Painting like painting one right the very first introduction to painting and the assignment was to pick um, a famous picture um, a famous painting and do a reproduction of that painting in class and So I chose starry starry night by Vincent van Gogh and I spent like the first two or three weeks of class painting this painting and uh, I handed my painting in after two or three weeks of working on it. Okay, and I hand it in, and um, my, I get it back, and my teacher has given me an F. And I'm like, how do you get an F on a painting, right? Like, and I bring it to her, and I was like, I really – I kind of thought this was pretty good, right? And she says, the sky is hot pink. I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean the sky is hot pink? And my mother – I've never seen my mother go to bat for me more than, like, he's colorblind. She's, like, she went the whole, like, disability route. Like, you can't give him an F for his disability. <laughs> no, I, I got an F. Um, it was really unfortunate. But, like, I you know, I didn't intend to do that. Right? I didn't come to the table and, like, I really hope that my my colorblindness will cause me to be bad at painting. And that was actually the end of my art journey until i became a pastor and i picked back up drawing right but uh because i couldn't paint i can't paint okay I, I mean I, I literally can't um because i i can't see the I mean, even if even if the little you know jar that's got the paint says exactly what color it is as soon as i put it on the canvas it's gonna mix in with that anyway i just can't do it i'm not capable i had there is something that confuses me and makes me incapable it's a, an overwhelming, intrinsic confusion that makes it me incapable of being able to paint. Um, then there is uh, intentional external confusion, okay, where um, somebody on the outside of you intends to confuse you. Right? Confusion, I'm, I'm using as a, as a really broad term, okay. Um, I'm thinking I, when this just came into my mind, okay. Um, while, uh, Tim was singing that song by third day about your love is like a river. It made me think of, um, an article I read a while back about the Mekong river. Okay. So it's in Southeast Asia. It starts, um, in, in China and, and spindles its way down through, uh, Southeast Asia, through Myanmar and, and Thailand and, and, uh, and for centuries, millennia, it's been extraordinarily crucial to um to life right i mean life springs up around rivers people need rivers and and places that aren't industrialized um you have to have a river and so um people live off of fishing off of the things that the the river provides and what's happened though in the last uh last 50 years is that on the chinese side of the border They've started to dam up the water, right? And they, they have done it to an extraordinary amount so that when the water gets to um, places in southern Myanmar, it is com- so diluted, right? Because it's been confused in the beginning, right? It's been used for some other purpose. The path of the river has been confused so that it can't do what it was supposed to do. And of course, the you know, like Myanmar's never going to be able to stand up against China or whatever. Like that's just not there, not going to happen. And so you got all these farmers that are, are not fishermen that are trying to figure out how do I survive because there aren't fish anymore because the river's been diluted. Um, or there's the uh, the issue of people who just enjoy confusing other people, right? just enjoy making you not know what you're supposed to think. Um, I think that probably what James is dealing with when he's writing to these people is more like that image of that river. Where they're supposed to be given life, right? They're supposed to have been given this good news about this good God. And somewhere along the line... um, they started to have some deep temptations for thinking things that are simply not true, and which was like damming up the water of life. So the uh, the first one is, he says, uh, you know, a believer, a, a poor believer, ought to ought to be um, ought to take uh, what is it? Take joy or something in um, in being lifted up, right? So that what God does is He lifts you up. Your poverty, when you come into this building, when you are in the church, you, you don't need to worry about how much money you make because your status in the church does not depend on your poverty. It sounds like somebody had been telling them, no, 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 actually being poor, you should trust the fact that you're poor. That's who you are. And then from the other side, there sounds like, and I think the rest of the book will make this really clear. It sounds like somebody's been saying to them, hey, you know what? Your riches, are they really matter in the church. And so James is saying, no, no, they don't. In fact, your riches will be taken away from you. They are not something that exists in this river. Don't confuse the river. Don't confuse the path. You don't get to lay your riches before God and say, I'm better than so-and-so because of my riches, You don't get to lift yourself up. You don't get to be exalted the way you are in society because of what you've made or what you've accomplished or what you've done. And so the river has been confused for them. Somebody, otherwise, why would James say it to them, right? Why would James say you who are impoverished should uh, take joy in the fact that God has lifted you up? Unless they're tempted to think that that's not true. And then the next paragraph says... um, blessed is anyone who endures temptation like we don't have to be rocket scientists to figure out that's not an easy thing to believe right we 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 think that trials are bad we think that temptation is bad i um i was thinking i was thinking about sharing this last week but i, I kind of forgot and, and that was when um I was going through a really, really hard time in in high school, and I told this Sunday school teacher, and the Sunday school teacher told me, um, well, you must have unconfessed sin in your life, because that's why bad things happen to Christians. <laughs> so I went home. I went home, and I read the book of Job, and I made, like, an outline of the book of Job and, like, gave it to them. <laughs> I was not an easy kid to have in Sunday school, okay? I really was not an easy kid to have in Sunday school. I told you before, I got kicked out of Sunday school more than once. More than once. This is not related to this at all, but one time the, the teacher told me that um, Satan had been the worship leader in heaven. And I was like, well, where does the Bible say that? And he was like, well, it's in there. Was, no, but really, where did you just said it was in there. Where is it? No, it's in there. Where is it? No, it's where it, and I was gone. <laughs> <clears throat> um, anyway, my parents had quite the talk with me after that. Um, the, uh, <laughs> so they're being tempted like any and all of us to think trials are bad. Trials mean that you're, there's something wrong with you or trials and they don't produce endurance. They're just nasty things you have to go through in life. Maybe they are. Thinking, I mean, the the health and wealth and prosperity gospel is 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 not something new. I mean, it, that has been stuff that's been going around for a long time. If you just you know check the right boxes, do the right church things, then God will God will fill you up with with nothing but um, nothing but earthly success. So the, the the river's been confused. They've they've diverted it to say trials are a bad thing. That's not part of the Christian walk. And James is saying, no, in fact, they're good. They're they're essential. They produce endurance. Um <clears throat> another one that that I think is fascinating and just crucial it, cuz it speaks so much to my own story i guess is apparently somebody thinks that god tempts people right somehow some way they they have been confused to the point where they somebody must be thinking or james is worried that somebody is thinking that god tempts people if you're like me That might speak to something deep in your soul, a fear that God isn't actually good, that God may actually tempt you to do evil, that God may actually be a tormentor. (laughs) Now, notice he's not talking about testing, right? He's not saying God doesn't test us. But testing and trial is a lot different than Waving evil in front of your nose and seeing if you'll do evil. God's not interested in um, testing you in a way like that. Asking you to climb a mountain and offer something to him is a lot different than um, filling your heart with greed and seeing if you'll you'll latch on to that. Those are, those are different things. So God tempts us. No, he doesn't, says James. Can't, won't, never. That's not the truth. And you can see that if, if the river that they've inherited has been diverted in such a drastic way, well, then the life of faith is just gone, isn't it? I mean, if the God that you worship is some tormentor who's going to do that to you, well, that's not good news. <laughs> And so the confusion it, it it starts to suck the life out of the water. It starts to make the 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 river not do what it's supposed to do. Another thing, um, kind of all wrapped up. There's a there's this explanation of sin and and how sin starts from within, and it, it's this desire that has conceived. It's a it's then these gives this birthing language. Um, you know, what's he, what kind of confusion is he speaking to there? What kind of deception is he alluding to? Um, but he ends with, when it is fully grown, it leads to death. <laughs> I am certain I'm certain that there were probably Christians from the earliest time who wanted to think that that wasn't true. Who wanted to say, nah, sin probably doesn't lead to death. I mean, that uh, that is a constant temptation in today's world. To lessen the consequence of our own evil. And that's when he says it. Right When he says this about sin leading to death, that's when he says, do not be deceived, my beloved. Do not be deceived. This desire that comes from within us, this desire that, that gives birth and grows fully and matures and leads to death. Um, it's an eternal thing, right? It leads to eternal death. But there are symptoms of it in this life, too. There are symptoms of it in this life, too. So that if it's greed, for instance, greed produces superficial relationships and destroys real relationships. Kills them. Right? Chokes the life out of them. That is a symptom, a shadow of of the, uh, the eternal and spiritual nature of, of what's happening is death. So do not be deceived of the consequences. Do not be deceived of where this path leads of letting your sin give birth and be grown and mature. Because the water, the river of life, the water of life doesn't make any sense unless death is there, too. What's the point of having the life if there's not a sense that it's saving you from something? And then finally, he finishes with this paragraph about about the goodness of God and that every good thing comes from God, including um, endurance, which comes through trial, by the way. And so maybe somebody as we've talked about maybe somebody in within James's world is confused been deceived into thinking maybe God is in fact not good. Maybe in fact God is not good. Maybe you've been tempted by that too. Many of you have gone through great Great hardships, many of you have been tempted to ask God, why would you let this happen to me? (laughs) Many of you have been tempted to blame God. I have been tempted to blame God in the midst of my dark hours, in the midst of my temptation, in the midst of my sin. But let the water flow freely that God is good. He gives good things. He does not change. There is no shadow or turning with him. He continues to be water of life. He continues to be good in the midst of suffering. He continues to be good in the midst of your temptation. He continues to be good in the midst of your confusion, no matter our confusion cannot change who he is. I just uh just reading that um, every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of Lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change, in fulfillment of his own purpose. He gave us birth by the word of truth, and so we birth sin, and he gives birth to us to our life, to our light so that we would become a kind of first fruits for his creature of his creatures. Um, so there in your, in your worship folder, there's a, um, a little blank road sign for you. I think that's last week's <laughs> that's no help at all. Yeah. So there's this blank road sign for you. Um, Think of it as as a sign that's diverting the water. A sign that's there to confuse you. Um, So what are you confused by? What is blocking the flow of the river of life in your world? What is keeping you from latching on to who Christ is? Maybe it's one of these things. Maybe it's something else. I think um, what's really important to remember and is to think about and to finish with is that river. If you divert it and you confuse it and you 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 suck the life out of it, we don't change then, <laughs> right? We change because of the truth. We become doers of his word and doers of his life and doers of his righteousness and doers of his goodness because of the truth. And so if you confuse the truth, we we don't become the doers. We don't become the lovers. We don't become the agents of his kingdom in this world because we've, we've dammed up the river so that it cannot come to what it's supposed to become, so that the The message here is get it right because you are his creature. And the very next thing is be doers of the word. That's his next line. Don't be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. He has created us. So for the sake of doing his will in this world, And so if you care about the world, if you care about the darkness out there, if you care about the person to your left or to your right, if you care about our neighborhood, if you care about our church, if you care about all of those things, then do the hard work to get rid of the confusion and to build your house on the rock of what he has said and what he gives us, his commandments, his teachings. Be people of truth and not people of confusion because that is desperately what we need and it's desperately what the world needs around us. I mean, our world confused about everything, (laughs) just everything. I I was making a list and it was just like, it was too long. I, I heard a, a guy interviewed not that long ago about, um, He's talking about adultery. And he said it uh, was like an actor in some show. He was like a, a, an actor in a show that there's this affair in the show or whatever. And he so he's talking and he says, you know, I just don't understand why our our culture um, punishes people who have affairs. You know, they're they're just doing something that makes them both happy. Like one of my sons punches the other one, and it makes him happy like we're gonna I don't know that's confusion. I don't know that like deception confusion it's 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 a it's a dam in the river of life, and they're everywhere, snares i don't I don't know what is it? you pick the metaphor, forget my metaphor, pick your own. <laughs> Because I've beat mine to death, so it's not going to be any good by the time you get out of here. But let, let the God who is truth, let the God who is full of wisdom and full of good lessons and full of good and perfect gifts, let him speak into whatever is confusing you. Let him speak into whatever you feel is holding you back. And let us put him ever before us so that we are rooted in the truth and that we are building our house on the rock. The rock that will stand through um, through the storms. The rock that will stand through the confusion. Let us be his creatures. Let us be people... Of life in a world of death. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, uh, I just I pray for for our um, our sphere of influence, right? Everything that influences each and every one of us. I just pray that we would, we would toss aside all the things that entangle us. That your Holy Spirit would convict us to set our eyes firmly on your son, Jesus. That we would let him tell us what is right and wrong, what is good and not good, what is death and what is life. Keep rescuing us from the death that wants to be born within our souls. keep filling us with your life, keep holding us tight, keep teaching us. May we be a church that is shaped by you in a way that empowers us to live your life and your goodness for one another and for our world. We praise you, and we adore you, and we love you, and we want you to be our truth. So get rid of our confusion. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.